Oh, come on. What an incredible night. So glad to see every single one of you here. So many friends uh, that are in the building tonight. We're so glad to see you. Thank you guys for coming out and supporting. I've got my family here with me on the second row. They all came from out of town, and so it's glad. I'm so glad to have them. So friends from out of town, Birmingham. We've got California in the house, and so uh, it's just an incredible night for, for our family, but for the city of Frisco. And uh, so we just, we're so glad that you're here tonight. I just want to honor somebody as well. Uh, the pastor of Hope Fellowship, Pastor John McKenzie, he is here. And uh, can we just take a moment? Pastor John, if you don't mind, would you stand? We just want to honor you. Thank you so much. We're standing on your shoulders. We're, lit- we're standing on your shoulders and what, what he has done for us and, and offering us to use this building. His heart for the Capital C Church, his heart for this city Uh, It's not competitive and, you know, saying, no, you can't have church here because this is my church. He said, let's open the doors. And uh, his heart was, this is what he told me over lunch one day. He said, my heart for you is that we could get restoration, a stake in the ground sooner. And if I can save you money on rent, I want you to use our building, save money on rent. So that way you can take a stake in the ground because Frisco needs more churches. Frisco needs more Bible preaching churches, more, more centers of restoration. And so we're partnering with you, Pastor John. Thank you so much. Thank you for your heart for us and for this community and for the city of Frisco. We honor you. So many others that are here. I could go down a whole list, uh, but we love you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I want to thank my family as well. You know, it all started for us. Uh, it started in our living room. It started for me and Shannon. I'll share a little more about that here in just a minute. But about two years ago, this journey started for our family in our living room in times of prayer and in times of worship. And God just made it clear to us that Frisco was the city. And we've known for 17 years we would plant a church. Every city I've stepped foot in for the last 17 years, I would ask the question, God, is this the city? God, is this the city? When we were on vacation in Destin, Florida, I would really ask, God, Lord, is this the city? Lord, could 30A be the place, Lord? Um, when we were living in California, we asked the question, God, is, is this the place? And uh, we, just, we just knew more than anything. God made it clear that Frisco is the city. And we're glad to call this our forever home. We're glad to call Restoration Church our forever home. And we plan on pastoring this church until we're so old that they're just like, get out of the way, get us a younger pastor. And uh, no, hopefully the Lord will reveal that to us before we, before we get to that. Uh, and, and I just have to say this. I don't know if he's in the house. I never heard. Is Jordan here? Jordan Cranfield? You saw him on, uh, on the video earlier, but he sits on our board. He's the executive director of, of Rise and Shine in India. And Restoration Church, this is our first service but we've already planted a church in India. Come on, isn't that crazy? We've already planted a church in India. And, you know, he sent this video, and and me and Shannon, we watched this video together the other night. And as I was reading uh, or listening to him talk about the devastation, God spoke to us, and we're going to send another $5,000 to help with the, the restoration of this city and the restoration for these people we're not, we say we're a generous church. We're not just going to say we're a generous church. We're going to be a generous church. And we're going to send the resources that we do have. And we're going to take what we can do. And we're going to send it to the other side of the world to help this church get up and going, to help this community be restored. Come on, isn't that something that we need to do? We're so blessed. 
And so we're so excited. We're so excited uh, to, to do that. So get out your Bibles. How many of you brought a paper Bible with you to church? Come on, maybe one or two of you. These are the spiritual bunch. You came at 5 p.m. and you brought your Bible. This is our spiritual bunch. Now, how many of you brought uh, an Apple Bible? How many of you brought, okay, all our Apple Bibles in the house? Now, here I, I have a theory, okay? This is my theory. I'm still looking at Scripture, but I have a theory, okay, that if you bring your paper Bible to church, when we're lining up to get into heaven, you get in heaven first, okay? So if you want to skip the line, just bring your paper Bible to church with you. Uh, and then those that are second are going to be people that bring your Apple Bible to church, okay? You, you're spiritual. You got the Apple Bible on your phone. And then Android people, we're not even sure if you get in. We don't know if you get in or not. We're praying. We're praying. We'll, we'll see. Anyway, let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. I'm only kidding. Android people, please don't leave. Okay, come back next week. Don't, don't be mad at me. Uh, it's just a joke. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Let's read it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Come on, somebody say new. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. This is the heartbeat of our church. This is what biblical restoration is all about. Let me read it one more time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we welcome your presence and your spirit in this place. And God, I pray that you would just open every ear and every heart and every mind to receive of your word. Change us and challenge us. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Landon. Come on, y'all give it up for Landon one time. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You know, the church is it's a special place for me. Uh, I grew up in the days where we would go to Sunday school. Anybody remember going to Sunday school? You remember back in the day, and we had, like, the green felt board, and they would break out the little people that, you know, you would put up on the board, and they would tell you the story of the person, and then you would pull that person off. you tell the next part of the story with the, with the felt board. Those were the days of, of church that, that I grew up in. And, you know, we spent most Sundays going to church, uh, but my mom, on the other hand, she spent, like, all these extra days going to church. My mom was Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, and it seemed like if there was any other reason to be at church, that she was going to be at church. But her boys, we were, we were not that crazy about church growing up. And so on Sunday nights, I can remember I'd be laying on the couch, and I would watch my mom go off, and, and she would go to church, and we would be lazy, and, and we, would, we would just stay at home. But I, I'm just telling you, the, the church has a special place in my heart. I guess I was about 13 years old, and uh, I, I was kind of doing some crazy stuff. I was going my own way, and I got caught doing those crazy things. And my mom made a threat to me, and uh, she said, you're going to youth group on Wednesday night. I said, Mom, I said, I'm not going to youth group on Wednesday night. She said, you're grounded for life. I said, all right, deal. I'll go to youth group on Wednesday night then. And so when I weighed the options, I said, look, it's either I I'm going to be grounded for life or go to church. Go to church seemed like the lesser of two evils, and, and so I went went to church and uh, I met the wrong crowd because there was a wrong crowd at church, okay? And so I went to church and I sat on the back row and they would chase me in out of the parking lot and tell me, you've got to go to church. And I would go and I would sit on the back row and I really didn't care anything to do about being there at church. But one day, everything changed. 
So my youth pastor came to me and he said, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to this beach camp in Panama City Beach, Florida, and I want you to come with us. And, uh, and I, I really didn't have anything, any interest in going, but I thought, you know what, the beach, this will be fun. And he also offered to pay my way. He paid my way. And here's the cool thing. My youth pa- pastor, he's actually on our board of overseers and uh, still in my life today. And, and it was all because he, he offered to pay for this trip. I go on this trip and all week long, I, w- I was that kid. I didn't care if you've ever been a youth camp counselor, you know, the problem kid, you know, the one I was talking, I was that kid. And uh, I think I broke a window throwing a water balloon at my youth pastor. I mean, just all this stuff. I don't, I don't know why he loved me, but for some reason he did. And so on a Thursday night, I gave my life to Jesus. And I heard God say something to me on that night. I heard God say something to me. He said, you were made for more. Uh, the church is an important place because I met Jesus, the most important person in my life. But the church is an important place because I met the most, uh, second most important person, which is my wife. And uh, I can remember the night. I mean, I, I can go back to the day. She was walking down the center aisle, and in my mind, I thought, she will be mine. Oh, yes. <laughs> she will be mine. And I was 15 years old the very first time I saw her, and I didn't wait long. At 19 years old, we got married, and uh, we got married, and then we went to this conference in 2005. And we're at this conference, and we respond to an altar call, and we hear the same phrase again, you're made for more. And we knew in that moment that we would plant a church. We knew in that moment. I I mean, I could look into the future, and I could see this day. I could see what God wanted to do in whatever city that God was going to plant us in, whatever city God was going to put us in. We knew that God was going to build a center of restoration where people's hearts and lives could be restored, where people could find hope, come on, where people could find joy, where people could find peace. And isn't that what the church should be? That's what we're building right here in Frisco is a place where people can encounter Jesus. Because if we're being honest, you know, you may ask the question, why does Texas need another church? You may ask the question, why does Dallas, why does Frisco need another church? There was a recent study that was done that showed that if you put a thousand people in every church in the DFW Metroplex, that we would still be over 200 churches shy. If you put a thousand people in every church, and how many of you know there are not a thousand people in every church on a Sunday morning, that we would still be shy. They say that it's projected that we'll grow by another seven million people in the DFW Metroplex in the next 25 years. How many of you know we need more churches to reach the people in this area? And the awesome thing is that we get to partner with churches like Hope Fellowship. We get to partner with other churches in our community that are reaching people, but now we've got a 5 p.m. option. Come on, somebody, on a Sunday evening. We've got a 5 p.m. option that maybe if you've got sports all afternoon, you can just come and you can worship with us on a Sunday afternoon. You can get involved in the community here because we believe that God is going to do incredible things. There's a need for community, right? There is. There's a need for community. There's a need for places where we can create atmospheres where people can encounter God. So this is our mission. Our mission is to build better lives. Building better lives. Why is our mission building better lives? Because this is what we feel like God revealed to us. If you live in the suburbs of Dallas, you can look around and it feels like everybody kind of has it together, right? 
I mean, let's be honest. Everybody's got the nice SUV. Everybody's got the nice car. Everybody's going out to eat at nice dinners. Everybody sends you their little picture-perfect Christmas card. You know the one I'm talking about? The one that if you were really honest, it was really painful to get that one picture, you know? Y'all can, y'all can act like your family's perfect if you want to. But I know when we go out and try to take, you know, it's, it's the complicated trying to get the picture. And then you finally smile and you send that picture out. But everybody looks like they have the picture perfect life. But this is what I know. No matter where you find yourself in life, the addition of Jesus is only going to make things better. You can have a great life. You can have a wonderful life. But when you add Jesus into the equation, things will only get better. And so we feel like our passion is to help people build better lives in Jesus. We want to connect them to a relationship with God because I know that when you get connected to a relationship with God, no matter where you find yourself in life, life will only get better. Because maybe you even feel like I've got the great life. But listen to what Ephesians 3.20 says. It says, now him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or what? Imagine. You might even say today, I have the life that I always imagined. I've got the job that I always imagined. I've got the wife, the kids that I always imagined. Guess what? God said, I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or imagine. And that's the God that I serve, that when we will come and we will lay our lives down and surrender to him, what I know is that God, when he comes into our life, he only makes things better. Come on, is there anybody that believes that in a 5 p.m. service on a Sunday night? But, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that approach church that they're like, you know, I don't know about this church thing, though. Because it feels like, if I remember church right, church was just a lot of rules. And maybe that's been your experience with church. Can I tell you, I'm not going to dictate a bunch of rules over your life. What I want is I want to initiate a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, that if anything, that if God were to come to you and say, hey, you should lay down this, you should give up this, all it's going to do is improve the quality of your life. All it's going to do is make your life better. Anything that he subtracts is an addition in your life. So how do we build a better life? How do we build a better life? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First, you've got to be restored with God. This is where it all starts. This is where it starts for every single one of us is that we have to be restored with God. Listen to what Romans 10, 9 says, and you're probably familiar with this if you've been in church. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? You'll be saved. Because if there's anything that I know, it's that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. When we're born into this world, we're born into sin. We can thank Adam and Eve for that, that we're born into sin. That when they were in the garden and they took that apple and they committed the first sin and they disobeyed God, that all of a sudden there was this restoration that had to happen between God and man. But I'm thankful that God made a system and put a system in place and said, you know what? I'm going to send my son to the earth to wrap himself in flesh, to live a spotless life, to heal people, to show people what it is to live in a relationship with the father. And then he's going to die on a cross, but he's not going to stay dead. He's going to get up. And when he gets up, he's bringing life to everyone that would do what Romans 10, 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, you will be saved. And this is where it all starts. 
It starts with being restored with God. And there's nobody in this place that doesn't need to be restored with God. If you're far from him, if you were, listen, if you're born, you were born into sin. So you need to be restored with God. You know, what I love, though, is that this principle of grace through faith, that's what we believe. We believe that we receive grace. We don't deserve it. But we receive grace from God. He forgives our sins. He wipes away our sins simply because we put our faith in him. It's not only a New Testament principle. If you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find Abraham. And God comes and he speaks to Abraham and he brings him out of his tent. And he says, I'm going to make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky. And the Bible says that when Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. It's a principle that God began to establish in the Old Testament that then when Jesus would die on the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for sin, when we would put our faith in him, that we would be made new again, that the old would be gone. Come on, is there anybody that that's your testimony? Come on, that the old is gone, that that old life, think about the person that you used to be. Think about that day, that moment. I told you about mine earlier, but what is the moment when you gave your life to Jesus and everything changed? It all happens when we become restored with God. We become restored with God. You know, maybe you, you, here's the cool thing about Abraham. Let me tell you a little bit. Abraham, so Abraham had everything he needed. Abraham was a wealthy man, so it wasn't as though he needed anything. In fact, I kind of almost picture Abraham like the typical Frisco family, right? They kind of have it all together. But he steps out of his tent, God speaks to him, and he began to build a better life. He could have stayed where he was, but the addition of God in his life took him to places that he never dreamed he could have gone. The addition of God in his life made him the father of many nations, made him the father of many people. Today, we are adopted into that family. Today, we are adopted into that faith. Today, we are adopted. Why? Because of what his choice, his action, his faith, we now are a part of that family. Come on, aren't you glad? But maybe you feel, on the other hand, maybe you feel like, how many of y'all know who Lot is? Abraham's nephew. He was kind of like the redheaded stepchild. He, uh, instead of saying yes to God, he said yes to uh, the ancient day of Las Vegas. And he went to Vegas and he turned up a little and he had fun. And God then sent Abraham in to get Lot. And so maybe you're like, you know, hey, I don't have the perfect life. You know, my life isn't all together. Yes, I'm living here, but, you know, I've been through some things. I've experienced some things. I've walked through some challenges in my life. This is what I love about Jesus. It doesn't matter where you're at, whether you have it all together or you don't. The addition of Jesus in your life, you can build a better life in Jesus. But it all starts with being restored with him when we hit our knees and we'll say, God, I believe that you are Lord. Come on, can, is that your testimony tonight that I've been restored with God? Come on, somebody say restored with God. Second is this, we want you to be restored within. Because here's the deal, like, yes, it's great to get into heaven, right? It's great to have eternity secured. You go, okay, awesome. I've confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. But it just doesn't stop there. Because how many of you know we've got issues? Anybody got issues? Okay, y'all are perfect. That's cool. Good for you guys. 
We got issues. We got things that we're dealing with. And we got things from our past that we're struggling with and, and trying to overcome. And then we've got things at work and we've got things at home. Maybe you got kids that are going crazy and it, you've just got stuff that's happening. But what I find is that we can go to the word. We can make this Bible a part of our life. We can make prayer a part of our life. We can make community a part of our life and we can be restored within. Because watch this. Confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that, that gets us into heaven. But there's something that James says, and I want us to look at this. It's going to be on the screen here behind me. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Did you say, hear what that said? Look, I, I can be made right in heaven with God when I confess him as Lord and Savior, but I can receive healing when I get in community and I confess and I begin to talk about the things that are going on in my heart and life. Because it's the, here's the temptation is to hide it, right? The temptation is to act like we have it all together. The temptation is to be like, no, I'm good. I don't need to share anything. I don't need to talk about anything. I'm living that Frisco life. Everything is good. I'm great. Listen, but here's the deal. We need community. We need people that we can get real with. Somebody said amen. We need a small group where we can go and we can sit down and we can find community and come together and make some confessions about things and be healed on the inside. Come on, we're not meant to do this life alone, but one thing I know about COVID is that it made us isolate ourselves. Even after all the restrictions lifted, what did we do? We're like, we didn't go back to church. Some, this, some of you, it may be the first time you've been back to church since COVID. Welcome back. Our doors have been opened. It's a great place to be. I'm glad you're here tonight, but maybe you haven't been back since COVID. We need godly community. We need people in our life. I love how Proverbs eleven fourteen it says it. It says, where there is no counsel, people fall. But isn't that our temptation? Isn't that our temptation to isolate? Isn't it our temptation to kind of be like, no, I don't, I don't need to tell anybody what I'm going through. I can deal with this on my own. I can shoulder it. I can carry it. I don't need to let anybody in my world. But what this says is it says, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In our minds... What the enemy has convinced us of is we've got to act like it's perfect. We've got to act like it's all together. Listen, life is not perfect. We all go through things. We all face challenges. We all face struggles. We all, you know, marriages have fights. Kids will be crazy. Maybe some of you fought on the way to church and then you came in and you're, and you're smiling and, you know, and maybe there's a root cause that's something. What I know is that when we get in community and we begin to talk, that God can and will bring healing in your life. But it doesn't happen as you conceal it and you keep it hidden away. Listen to what Galatians 6 2 says, and I love this. Carry each other's burdens. When we get involved in a community like Restoration Church, can I tell you what we're going to do? We're going to carry each other's burdens. When you're in the hospital, guess what? We're coming to visit you. We're going to carry your burden. We're going to be there right alongside of you. When you're going through something hard in your marriage, maybe if your kids need help, guess what? We've we got 20 years in youth ministry experience. Our worship leader is also our youth pastor, and he's incredible. We've got children's ministry that is phenomenal, a children's pastor that's going to love and pour into your kids. I'm telling you, we're going to come alongside of you, and we're going to help you bear the burden of life. Isn't that what the church is for? Come on. That's what the church is for, to come alongside you and help carry your burden. 
Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is love. And what is love? It's patient. It's kind. It's not envious. It doesn't boast. It keeps no records of wrong. When we truly love, we can come into a community that's different. doesn't matter political backgrounds or political affiliations. It doesn't matter skin color. It doesn't matter economic status. When we come together under the banner of Christ, under love, we can bear one another. We can come together in unity. Come on, and we can be restored within. Come on, is there anybody that you go, hey, that sounds good to me. I want to be restored. I want to help restore. And then as the band comes back, I want to close with this. When you've been restored in a relationship with God, when you've been restored within, the final part is that we go out and we restore the world. And it's, it's, no, you know, it's not a shocker to anybody, the state of the world that we're living in right now. I mean, we're living in, in dark times. We're living in times that the world needs to be restored. There's people living in our community that need healing. There's people in our community that are living behind that facade that I've been talking about, and they're waiting for somebody like you to enter their world and share Jesus with them. They're waiting on somebody like you that that becomes a part of a church and, and finds Jesus and the love of Jesus that then leaves the four walls of this building. Because can I tell you, the church is not a building. I can tell you that firsthand because we don't have one, okay? <laughs> the church is not a building. The church is the people. Can I tell you where we've been doing church? We've been doing church around a table at Market Street at 6 a.m. with a men's group every morning talking about prayer, talking about life, doing life together. Can I tell you how we've been doing church in a living room? We've packed 75 teenagers in a living room. We've packed 75 teenagers in our two-car garage and converted it. 75 teenagers that are coming out that are going, you know what? I just want to encounter Jesus. I want to be restored with God. I've got things that I'm dealing with, and I want to be restored within. The church is not a building. The church is the people. It's sitting in the pews that leave this place. We leave a celebration. We, we come and we get restored with God. We get restored within, and then we go out and we go, you know what? I used to deal with that same addiction. I used to deal with that same struggle, and this is how I got free. We're going to restore the world that we live in because it's the job of the church that was Jesus's mandate to us he said this therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always even to the very end of the age our job is to go and be the salt of the earth to be the light. In fact, he said it in Matthew. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So when we walk into the darkness, you know what we do? We dispel darkness. When I'm around, darkness can't be around because I'm light. And in every room I walk in, guess what? I'm going to be light. I'm not being cocky or arrogant. I'm just telling you, I know what I carry. I know the power and the Holy Spirit that I carry. And when I walk in a room, I'm going to be light. I'm going I'm to do my best to speak into somebody's life and bring joy and peace. We're going to build better lives. And so really, no matter where you find yourself in this place, the addition of Jesus only makes it better. Community, a godly community, it only makes it better. 
So I, I just want you to stand up on your feet as, as we're closing this service. And, and I want to close with this thought, biblical restoration. You know, in our minds, when we think restoration, we think buy a fixer-upper. We think Chip and Joe, right? We think buy a fixer-upper, redo it, make it look like it used to, you know, in the 1920s or whatever. Shannon started a business years ago where she would take old pieces of furniture. I'm talking about junky pieces of furniture. Pull over on the side of the road, other people's trash, furniture. And then we'd take it to the house and she would sand it down and put a fresh coat of paint. And that's restoring. The thing was still a piece of junk underneath, trust me. But that's our idea of restoring. Just kind of making it, you know, a little touch up, freshen it up. The biblical idea of restoration is that it's actually left in a better condition than what it was found. That the way it was found, it's not just going to be returned back to new. No, 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 no. It's going to be left better than what it was found. And look, I know that's my story. I know that's my testimony. I know that's what happened to me and in my life, that I am better than what I once was because when Jesus came into my life, he changed me. And it didn't happen overnight. It was a process and I'm still getting better and I still have struggles and I still have things that I walk through. But when I go back to God's word and I go back to prayer and I center myself back where he found me and I go, God, I just got to get back in your presence to get back to the person that, that you turned me into the day that I first met you but you're gonna make me better than who I am. And I know years from now, I'm gonna be better than what I am now. But it only happens when I allow Jesus to restore my relationship with God. I get in a community where I can get restored within. And then I go out and I do the work that God has called us to do. And I help restore the community that I live in. Come on, just a moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, maybe you've identified with something that's been preached in this message. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been working on your heart and, and stirring something in your heart. And today you say, you know what, I, I know I'm not where I need to be. Maybe you say, I, I've put on a facade. Maybe you say, I, I, I'm that person. I, I've been faking this. But I want Jesus in my life. I, I want the real deal. I want real joy. I want real peace in my life. I want real freedom in my life. I want freedom from addiction. I want freedom. Maybe that's you. Maybe you come in here and you say, my life is in shambles and I know I need Jesus today. I know the only answer is for my relationship to be restored with God. Nobody's looking around in this moment, but if that's you, I wonder if you would just lift up your hand because we're going to say a prayer with you here in just a moment. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand right there. Come on, is there anybody else? Come on, thank you for those hands. I see that hand back there. I see this hand right here in the middle. Come on, so amazing. I see that hand all the way back in the back. Thank you. If you could put your hands down. And I want us to say this prayer together. There were probably eight hands that just went up. And I want us to say this prayer together for all those that raised your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Say this prayer with us. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, touch my heart touch my life. I need you today. Heal me. Forgive me. Change me. 
Today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you died and that you rose again. And because of that, I'm saved. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said, come on, can we put our hands together for all those that made that decision? Come on, we can do better than that. Lives are being restored. Families are going to be put back together because of decisions that were made today. I just want to ask that you do me a favor. If you said that prayer today, there's a card right there in the seat back in front of you, and it's got a QR code on it. I just ask that you do one simple thing. You can either fill out that card personally right there, or you could take that and you can scan that QR code and it's gonna take you to a digital connect card. You just set, select, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. We wanna to reach out to you this week. We wanna pray with you this week. We wanna encourage you this week. We wanna help you build a better life in Jesus. Come on, can we put our hands together for all those? One more time. And then I'm gonna ask that our prayer team, if you guys would, if you guys would come down front, our prayer team. And uh, just before we close out, we're gonna sing this song one more time. And you know, we, we wanna do this. We wanna come alongside of you and we wanna help bear that burden that you have. Whatever it is, whatever you're going through, look, don't be prideful. If you need prayer, if you need to talk to somebody, you showed up and God's moving on your heart. Our prayer team is gonna be here right here at the end of service. We wanna pray with you. We wanna believe for victory in your life. We wanna believe that you will overcome. Come on, did you have an amazing time here at our grand opening today? Just want to remind you of a few things. If, if you're looking to get connected here at Restoration Church, we have our Next Steps desk. It's going to be right out here to my right. They're going to give you any information that you need. We're starting our foundations class, which is basically our membership course. We have that on October the 6th. You're going to find out, discover your spiritual gifts and how you can get plugged in here at Restoration Church. We have baptisms. If you want to get back, if you gave your life to Jesus, your next steps is baptism. You can go back there. They'll get you signed up for baptisms on October 16th. And if you got kids, get them signed up for our Christmas Kids Choir. So many good things happening at Restoration Church. Shannon and I will be out in the lobby. We want to be out there. We want to shake your hand. We want to hug you. And one last thing I want to do. Can y'all put your hands together and help me thank our amazing launch team. They did such an incredible job. 50 people that have helped launch this church. We couldn't have done it without you guys. Thank y'all so much. And so if you want to join that team, you can join that team by going out here to our Next Steps desk. Can I pray for you? Just before we go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May he cover you with his name, Jesus. And everybody said, hey, I'm preaching on hearing the voice of God next week. Come back and visit us, all right? God bless you guys.